Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And folks, you and I are the only ones, do you realize that? You're the only ones who have the ability to go out and show a world that is dying in their sin, that is wallowing in their sin. They're not even aware of anything else. They don't even know any better. And yet it's up for us. It's up to us. God wants you to go out wherever you're at. And that's why this season of Thanksgiving is so wonderful. Go out and tell them lovingly. Be led by the Spirit. Hi everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. When we believe on Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit as an inner confirmation of our standing before God. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. In turn, that witness is what God uses through us to testify to others that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through Jesus. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues to examine these truths. Let's open our Bibles. Last week, I had these great ambitions of getting through this entire chapter, but it's not going to happen today either. We're going to get through verses uh, 13. We're going to go through verse, chapter, or verse 6, 1 John chapter 5, verse 6 through 13. And I hope we can get through that because I want to save the very last part of this chapter after Thanksgiving. And we talked about this last week, but I really want another shot at it. Let's read 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. It says, this is he, John, again, speaking to this church in the first century that was persecuted, that was on the run. This church who needed encouragement. He said, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself, and he who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony. 
that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And here's the verse right here. Here's the the verse that sums up this whole entire epistle, this whole entire letter. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. There it is. That's the reason behind this letter. Let's go back to verse 6. We're going to see in verses 6 through 9 here, the the title of the message here this morning was The Witness of God. And we're going to see in verses 6 through 9 the external witness. We're going to see the witness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The witness that God is, that Jesus is who he said he was. We're going to see the Father and the Son, and the Son himself even giving witness of himself, and certainly the Spirit of God, and the blood and the water and the Spirit as well, all giving testimony. And then in verses 10 through 12, we're going to see the internal witness. That internal witness is the the Spirit of God within us, working out through our lives. Isn't that what the Bible says? That first he causes us to will and then to do of his good pleasure, but it's God who works in us. You know, to, to do that. He, he's working, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God who works in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. It, he works out. He's not content to just stay inside of you. As wonderful as that is to have the assurance of salvation, to know where you're going and to have this wonderful treasure in a, an earthen vessel, this, the Spirit of God. You know, the Spirit of God is not content to just let it be. He has to express that love toward others, and he wants to do it through you and I. He can't just contain himself. You can't just put him in a bottle like a genie. Remember the the movie Aladdin? (laughs) The genie's inside the lamp for a thousand years until somebody finds it in some cave and then comes by and rubs it and boom. I grant you three wishes. God is not like that. He doesn't want to be hidden away. He wants to be on display for everyone to see. He wants your life to be a representation of his character, his, the motivation of his heart is love. Love, it's always love. And boy, we need that today because everywhere I look in this rotten world <laughs> is hatred and bitterness and anger and strife and envy and jealousy and you know just all the ugly stuff that we read in the Bible, the list that Paul gives us in his letters. So much ugliness. And folks, you and I are the only ones, do you realize that? You're the only ones who have the ability to go out and show a world that is dying in their sin, that is wallowing in their sin. They're not even aware of anything else. They don't even know any better. And yet it's up for us. It's up to us. God wants you to go out wherever you're at. And that's why this season of Thanksgiving is so wonderful. Go out and tell them lovingly. Be led by the Spirit. Because believe me, being led by the Spirit is not the guy necessarily who goes out and just starts yelling at people and calling them names. That's led by something else. But when you're led by the Spirit of God, it's gentle. It's, it's at the right time. It's a word in season. It's not just boasting into the room and just knocking down all the china and standing there and jumping up on top of the table, on top of the turkey, holding your King James Bible out and saying, Repent, you sinners. That's not what it's about, is it? Who would want to serve a God that caused you to do that? 
You're the one setting the table. You're the one helping cooking. You're the one helping. You're the servant of all the family members. They see you serving. That's what that that's how you're going to win it. That's how you're going to win them to Christ. Be a servant. But there is an internal witness. That's verses 10 through 12. Let's get into verse 6. It says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. When he speaks of water here, certainly Jesus came in the form of a, of a baby in, in the womb of Mary. And just like all of us were born, he, had, he was born of water as well. He was born, he was surrounded by the amniotic sac that every infant is born in. Certainly he was born of water, but not only that, but he was baptized. He came, as we read in Matthew chapter 3 last week, where Jesus was baptized by John, not because he needed it, but because he wanted to identify himself with fallen man. Jesus willingly baptized, got baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. That's not his last name, by the way. You didn't see that on, on his, uh, his mailbox, John the Baptist. Baptist is my last name. No, his name was John, but he became known as the Baptist because he baptized. So he came by water. He was willing to be baptized. And also through blood, he was willing to be crucified on our behalf. And this is no ordinary blood. I talked about this last week, and I want to clarify it a little bit more because it perked my, uh, piqued my curiosity, and I wanted to look into this a little bit more. But do you understand the precious blood of Jesus? We know that it's precious, but let me share something with you. The blood of Jesus was the very blood of God. There was not any blood from the line of Joseph, even through Mary, because that blood flowed through the veins as, as a babe uh, while he was still in Mary's womb. It was the very blood of God. Joseph had nothing to do with it. Remember that. The Spirit of God implanted that seed in Mary. His blood was untainted by human blood whatsoever. There was no mixing of the blood. And this just blew me away. I just ran across this this week, and I never knew this until last week, actually. But not one, blood of, not one drop of blood passes from the mother to the child. And for good reason. If your baby has a different blood type than the mother, crossing the blood types could be dangerous and deadly even. There are certain things that pass through a mother's umbilical cord and the, and sorry to be so um, graphic, but the, the placenta has a purpose. It's like a, a clearinghouse for all the stuff that the baby needs. It gets nutrients and it gets oxygen, but it doesn't mix the blood. The blood from the mother and the child never mixes. In fact, it says normally, and I'm quoting here, maternal and fetal blood supplies don't mix during pregnancy, but during the childbirth sometimes, and this is, uh, uh, happens very seldom, sometimes the fetal blood may enter the mother's system, but not the other way around. So Jesus' blood was pure, it was holy, it was the very blood of God. Wouldn't you like to get that blood and look at it under a microscope if you're a scientist? Wouldn't you like to get his DNA and look at it under a microscope? Believe me, it would floor every one of them to look at the blood of Christ and look at it and go, oh my gosh, I would love to see what it is. I mean, what is it? What does it look like? What does his DNA look like? If they were to look at it with an electron microscope and zoom in 100,000 times and go, oh my, this is unlike anything we've ever seen. His blood was so pure. 
It says one of the placenta's jobs, this organ that is formed during pregnancy, one of the placenta's jobs is to make sure blood from the mother and the fetus never mixes. The placenta acts as an exchange surface between the mother and the fetus. Nutrients and oxygen are passed over by diffusion only, and if the mother's and fetus's blood mixed, it could be deadly for both of them. If the mother and the fetus had different blood types, they might both die if their blood mixed. So even though... Jesus came through the line, in the flesh he did, but none of his blood. His blood was holy blood. He may have been mixed with the DNA, perhaps of the bloodline of of Judah, or I'm sorry, the, the DNA strain of Judah, but his bloodline was pure, folks. Isn't that, I don't know about you, but that kind of floored me. It took me by surprise. This gives new meaning to the phrase, the precious blood of Christ. Isn't that what, first, what Peter said in his first epistle in chapter 1, verse 18? Let me read it to you. He says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Isn't that exciting? Hallelujah is right. Praise the Lord for that. That totally took on a whole new meaning for me. To really consider, you know, that blood that fell from Calvary, from that cross, was not just ordinary blood. This is the blood of God. That is why he alone could only make the atonement. And the word precious in 1 Peter chapter 1 there, the precious blood of Christ, this word means costly, it means honorable, it means precious. It means held in honor. This was something unique. Something unique. And notice in verse 6 it says, It's the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. In John chapter 15, uh, this is another awesome verse concerning the Trinity, which you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but you'll see it all over the place. And this is one of them in John chapter 15, verse 26. It says, But when the Helper, the Spirit, comes... Whom I shall send to you from the Father, Jesus speaking here, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also, disciples, you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. This idea of testify, when it says the Spirit of truth, he will testify of me, and disciples, you're going to bear witness of me. This word testify and bear witness means the same exact, it's the same exact word, and it's, it's a word martyrio, which means to affirm that one, what one has seen or heard or experienced, either by divine inspiration, perhaps. The Spirit bears witness, because he is the Spirit of truth. Isn't that what John said in the very first chapter of this letter? Remember what he said. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. That's a witness. That's, a, that's bearing witness. That's testifying that what I'm seeing is true. It, it's real. It's not some, he's, Jesus is not some phantom. He's not some ghost as the, the, the Gnostics believed back in the first century. No, this epistle was meant to re- just tear that idea, that heresy to pieces. Just to put a bunch of bullet holes in it. 
We have seen him, John says, and because he is the spirit of truth, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are one. Their qualities are not separate from one another. They are equally God Almighty. In John chapter 14, verse 6, what did Jesus say? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. He's the only truth. He's the only way. He's the only life. There's no other possibility Jesus, while he was in the garden, he said, Lord, Father, if there be any other way for this plan of redemption to be laid out, let it, let this cup pass from me. But even Jesus knew there is no other way. (laughs) But if there is a way, can you imagine just Jesus, I, you know, I'm not looking forward to the pain and I'm really not looking forward to being separated from you, Father. I've never experienced that. I don't even know what that's like. What's that going to be like? I've never experienced that. Man, I tell you, that just adds weight to what he did on the cross. It just brings you to tears. Man, his love is so great. But he's the spirit of truth. In John chapter 14, Jesus speaking, he said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, another comforter, a paracleto, someone to walk by, to, to be alongside of you, that he may abide with you, what, forever. The spirit of truth, there it is, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's spiritually discerned. That's why people walk around and they look at you like they're testing new eyes because they can't figure you out. Who are you? What do you mean? What's this rapture business? I saw Star Trek. Is that what that means? Beam me up. Is that going to happen? Is that really going to happen? Yeah, it is. Maybe not quite like that. But it's going to happen. And believe me, you want to be in that number. Oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints go marching. And everybody, oh, how I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in. Right? Yes. And in John chapter 16, what does it say? Jesus, again, speaking to his disciples in that upper room before his crucifixion, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, here it is, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And get this, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Aren't you glad that you don't have to be concerned about being deceived by the spirit of God? Are you afraid of him? He is truth. He is the only truth. Embrace the reality and trust God. There is no one like him. He loves you. Will you love him? Will you love him with all of your being? Believe me, he loves you more than you could possibly ever understand. Even with our finite mind, I can't comprehend the love and the grace of an almighty God who would do all of this. And believe me, when we stand before him, we are going to be blown away. We're very naturally going to fall on our face when we see him. That just takes the breath out of me, doesn't it, you? Let it take the breath out of you. It's just going to turn us into nothing. How I look forward to that day. But notice in verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. This is a direct, clear reference to the Trinity. There's another one. You might want to circle it. You're not going to find the word Trinity, but here it is. (laughs) 
The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The Word is the Logos. That's where we get it from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus, the Word, the Logos, the very expression of God. But notice, there are also verses that talk about the Trinity. And I'm getting off on a very small tangent here, but we're going to come back really quickly. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Write this in the margin of your Bible next to this. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Let me read it to you. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's Paul's letter to the Corinthians. There it is. The Trinity, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. But we know that the Father and the Spirit, remember on the day of Jesus' baptism, there in the, in the ford, there in the, in the Jordan River, what does it say? It says that when he was baptized, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Who is Who is here in this incidence? We we see the Spirit of God descending. We see the voice of God, God the Father, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And if that's not good enough, in Matthew chapter 17, we know of the transfiguration of Christ, when he took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and he was transfigured before them. And it says, While uh, Peter was speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, Again, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him, another witness of the Father. And if that's not good enough, we also hear of Jesus himself testifying of himself. Because of all the people on the earth who could, he could. Because he was truth, he was the embodiment of truth. Remember in John chapter 8 it says this, and Jesus was speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus spoke to them again, to them, the scribes and the Pharisees, and he says, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And the Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself, and your witness is not true. But notice what Jesus said. He said to them, verse 14, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from and where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true, and I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Because Jesus is who he is, he is Almighty God in the flesh. Isn't, doesn't he have the authority to bear witness of himself? I believe he does. He's the Word become flesh. He is God Almighty. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the faithful and true witness. He's the faithful and true witness. Didn't he say that in Matthew 28? Remember the the Great Commission, the passage that we know and love, verse 18 of Matthew 28. What does it say? Jesus, speaking to his disciples, he says, All authority, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Do you know that he's here with us today? 
Man, he is Emmanuel. This Christmas, let it be different than any other Christmas because he is with us. He's not some God who's out in the, unattached from all this weirdness that we have in this world. Believe me, all the stuff that you see and are frustrated with, the things that are tearing you apart inside, all of this is going to come to an end. One day you're going to stand, we're going to see him face to face, and all of this stuff is going to be pale. It's going to be pale. Nothing is going to matter. We see him face to face. Lord, help us. <laughs> Let it grab a hold of you and just twist you up in a knot. I love it. Do you love it? You ever seen those- I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.